Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we take a careful look at this text that we just heard read minutes ago, it doesn't take long to come to the conclusion that the devil must have been very active on the day that we read about these events in, in the life and ministry of Jesus. We look, for example, at the first verse of this reading. At first, uh, these verses seem to uh, be recording just a simple act. Jesus urged the disciples to get into the boat. Then as we think about that a little bit more, why the urgency? Why did Jesus urge them to get into the boat and get out of there, get away from that situation? What was Jesus concerned about? Why the hurry? And then consider that right after Jesus gets the disciples out of there, then he dismisses the crowd also to disperse and to go their separate ways, those thousands of people who had gathered to hear him teach and then were miraculously fed to the full by him from just a small amount of food. Jesus seems very eager to get away from that situation to uh, as we see in, in the following verses, to go up onto the mountain by himself to pray. As we, as we think about those circumstances, it's not too difficult to understand why Jesus was in such a hurry to get out of there. As we think back to the gospel reading that we heard last week, again, Jesus had just miraculously fed 5,000 men, hungry men, not counting women and children who were with them, perhaps more than 10,000 people, and he did that all, starting out with just five small loaves of bread and two fish. And even after everyone had eaten their full, the disciples still picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. And then there was a thought that someone began to speak and it spread throughout that crowd. People wanted to make Jesus their king and to do it by force if he wasn't willing to be made their king. We read in John's gospel record of these events that Jesus, of course, as true God, who is omniscient, who knows all things, he knew what was going on, what those people were thinking or, or talking about amongst themselves. He realized that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king, and so he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And if we think back to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, we see here an echo of that early temptation of the devil just after Jesus had been baptized and then led out, led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, we read, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, I will give you all these things if you will bow down and worship me. And so as we think about these events of our reading in that context, is it really any wonder that Jesus was eager to get the disciples onto a boat and away from that crowd? As we see from the Jesus' interactions with the disciples uh, surrounding these events in the gospel, their, their concept of the kingdom of God was already rather unclear and muddled. They weren't thinking so much of a, a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, but of a political, earthly kingdom with Jesus as an earthly king and ruler. And so, with that idea floating around in their minds, they might have been ready to join with that crowd 
in urging Jesus to accept that offer to become a political king and to gather those thousands of of people who were there that day as, as the first citizens or soldiers of that new political kingdom. We can assume that those crowds of people would not have just simply walked away if that momentum had started building. You can imagine them thinking, well, if Jesus can provide us with all the bread and the fish that we could possibly want to eat, what else could he offer to us? Maybe he could miraculously multiply some gold to fill our money bags. And all the time, there was the devil and perhaps even a host of demons urging the disciples to question Jesus' directions, encouraging the crowd to press its advantage. And there again, the devil laying out that temptation before Jesus' eyes. All the kingdoms of the world and their glory without having to go through the suffering of the cross and the beatings and the crown of thorns and death. Of course, Jesus knew how to deal with this kind of temptation. Only the foolish would remain in such a place where not only the strangers might tempt you, but even your own friends might get in on the action and lead you astray from God's will. That's also the wisdom that the psalmist shared in Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, who does not stand on the path with sinners, and who does not sit in a meeting with mockers. A blessed man, a wise man, avoids temptation. Jesus shows us what also should accompany such avoidance of the wicked, and that is a long and and earnest talk with God in prayer. But we see that the devil wasn't about to give up on his temptations, even though Jesus helped the disciples to escape uh, that temptation of the the, the zeal and the fervor of the crowd, and, and Jesus helped that crowd to escape temptation also by dispersing them, sending them away. We see that later on that evening, our text says sometime during the fourth watch of the night, in that early morning darkness between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., the disciples were out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. And in the the other gospel books of the Bible, it says they were about three or four miles out from the shore when they were caught in the middle of a, a, a raging storm out there on the open water. Now, whether or not it was the devil who was responsible for that storm or it was just a a natural storm that crept up, there's little doubt that the devil was, in fact, in the boat there with those disciples. It's hard for us not to imagine the devil feeding the doubts and, and helping the fears to grow in their minds and in their hearts. There were doubts about whether God would or even could take care of them in the middle of that raging storm out there in in the middle of the water of the Sea of Galilee. And then there was one more element. At some time during those early morning hours, the eyes of the disciples caught sight of of a figure, of 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 a person walking out on the surface of the water, something their minds simply could not comprehend. And so as a result, they were terrified. Some people have speculated that maybe they were thinking that because they knew that such a thing was impossible, certainly, as the Bible says, they thought it must be a ghost, or maybe even they thought it was the angel of death 
come to take their lives. The thoughts of leaving this world, of, of what happens at the time of death and after that death, those thoughts very often are the devil's playground that he uses to tempt us, to, to create terror and fear in our hearts. And those, those seeds of fear that he plants in our hearts quickly grow into a jungle of darkness that would blot out the light of the sun for those who are not ready to walk through the valley of the shadow of death with their Lord. But then Jesus speaks, and he breaks through those temptations of the devil with his word of comfort and encouragement. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then in response to those words of encouragement, Peter then makes a a bold request, as Peter so frequently does, acts uh, with with boldness and sometimes without a lot of forethought. And he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, we don't know exactly what Peter's motivation was or is all of his thinking behind making this request, but whatever it was, Jesus honored that request, and he told Peter to come out to him on the water. And Peter did. And for a little while, at least, Peter was walking on the water just as Jesus had been doing miraculously but at some point, Peter saw uh, the, the, the waves still raging around him, kick, continuing to be kicked up by that raging wind. He was out of reach of the boat, and then he began to get scared. And as fear and doubt took the place of faith in his heart, he began to sink. We can imagine that the devil must have been delighted in that moment. Peter's cry Lord, save me! Must have been filled with utter panic and terror. A panic again bred by the doubt that Peter, or that Jesus, would be able to do for Peter what Peter couldn't do for himself. Save himself from that uh, seemingly impossible situation. But the devil was disappointed when Jesus reached out his hand and caught hold of Peter. The devil was forced to watch as those two made their way to the boat. And then the devil's hopes of winning a victory in that moment were gone when the disciples worshipped Jesus and proclaimed, Truly, you are the Son of God. For us, it's not always easy to recognize the temptations of the devil in our lives Not as easy as it is sometimes for us to recognize those temptations when we read about them on the pages of the Bible. How many times hasn't the devil won at least a temporary victory over us when friends tempt us to do what we know we shouldn't do and we go right along with it because of what others will say about us or because everybody else is doing it, we go along with the crowd or perhaps... Sometimes we, we are even the ones who are leading the charge into whatever sinful action is, is being considered. Language sometimes is, is tinged with the crude and perhaps sometimes even the blasphemous, taking God's name in vain. We sometimes share glory stories of our past sins because we don't want to, be appear, we don't want to appear to be different from other people or or we want to attract some admiration or attention from those around us, when instead we should be too ashamed even to mention those sinful things we have done. 
We may justify cheating a little bit on our taxes because we say that, well, everybody really uh, just forgets to add a, a, a thing or two that Uncle Sam won't know about anyway. And perhaps if the boss is gone for the day, well, then what's, what's the big deal if our lunch hour stretches into to two or, and we perhaps sneak in a, a couple alcoholic beverages when we know that's forbidden in the workplace? How often aren't we thrown in, into complete uh, despair by fear? We're frustrated when we have figured out just exactly how we, we hope things are going to go and then something just doesn't turn out the way that we had planned. We plan on having good health. We plan on having a, a steady job and an income. We plan on the faithfulness of friends and family and spouse but then our plans may be dashed by some word or event. The devil wins another temporary victory as we lose sleep, as we turn to drugs or alcohol, and we doubt that God really can do something about our situation. Imagine the sinking feeling that must come to someone who has decided that he has the way of salvation all figured out for himself. He's pretty good all by himself, that he's done a pretty good job of obeying God's commands. And so he really doesn't have anything to fear about the end of his life and about the judgment that follows, trusting in his own strength, his own good works. But then something happens that makes him realize that his own strength isn't sufficient and his own good works are not good enough. And he has to admit that he doesn't have salvation on his own after all. And if the devil can prevent him from hearing the words of the gospel that assure us that Jesus has done all that is necessary for our salvation, and then sadly there's no hand there to lift him up out of that sinking water that threatens to drown him. And the devil then breaks forth in loud and boisterous laughter at the victory that he's been able to win. But is the devil really victorious? We know better, don't we? In fact, we know that the victor has already been declared. The loser should have given up and called it quits long ago. The victory was declared on Easter morning. The crucified Jesus rose again to life from the grave to prove that his sacrifice and payment for the sins of the world had been accepted by God the Father. The battle was over. Sins are forgiven and the devil's power over us is broken. But the sad part is that far too many people don't believe in the truth of that victory. Even though the devil's power over us has been broken, far too many people still willingly submit to him. How about you? Well, the victorious Savior invites you to join his victory celebration. Let's join together with those disciples in worshiping him. Truly, you are the Son of God. No more doubt. No more fear. Jesus has won the victory. Amen.